the future of photography. Hey Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Very good, very good. I'd like to start off with a, a quick question uh, today um, uh, about nationalities. Nationalities of your cameras, and I know you have a good and healthy collection, <laughs> so don't don't feel you have to list them all. But uh, who, yeah, which countries make your cameras, or which country companies make your cameras? Well, the uh, the oldest ones are German, Zeiss, of course, and so on. Um, Rolei, the Rolleiflex mm-hmm. uh, is known. Um, and then at one point, if I go, if I, the older they or the the younger they are, the more they tend towards uh, Japan. So the Mamiya would be a good example. What I shoot with right now is uh, on the digital side is Canon, which is Japanese. So I'd say German and Japanese mostly. Okay, uh, and for me, uh, mostly Japanese. Even even my older cameras are mostly mm-hmm. Japanese, actually. Um, just by coincidence rather than by design. Oh, yeah, and I have, I have to throw a Minolta in it for some time in the mid-80s. <laughs> it's also <laughs> yeah, Japanese. Well, the best place to own a Minolta. Sure. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, okay. So so uh, what I'd like to, to think about today, actually, is the up-and-coming manufacturers. So who is it that's going to make your next camera? And and, and uh, uh, is there a shift um, mm-hmm. in in the way that uh, or in the way or the location of cameras being made, and and where where is the innovation coming from in in cameras at the moment? Now, I think uh, I, I'll start out uh, by making uh, an observation about all of those Japanese cameras uh, that we've just been talking about, because of course, as, as we went through the end of 2018 and all the award seasons and things like that. Um, I think a lot of people, and Photokina, of course, as well, back here, back then. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting big things from Canon and from Nikon, especially with their full-frame mirrorless launches. Um, and they got mixed reviews, I'd say, um, depending on who it was that was doing the review and and what they were trying to prove <laughs> and i think you learn more about the reviewers than you do about the cameras at that point but that's yeah that, that's what that that's the uh the base we've got to work with um one of the things that surprised me pleasantly surprised me um is that actually a camera called the fujifilm xt3 seemed to be consistently at or, or very near the top of everybody's lists for best camera of 2018 um and I can only imagine that might have been a surprise to a great many people. Um, and certainly it might have been a surprise to Canon and Nikon, who'd been working very hard on their offerings. And of course, there are other camera manufacturers as well. Um, so clearly there, the, in Fuji, there's a, a, a firm, a company that is really working very hard to innovate their cameras. Um, don't know if you'd have a view on all of that and what you perceived through well, that phase. I, of course, I, I like to I like to put things always like to put things into an his, historic context and nah. and uh, maybe maybe let me throw a bit of history in here because Germany Germany is the ones are the ones with Leica especially who kind of kicked off this entire revolution. Um, but of course, before that, there was Kodak, and uh, one of the reasons Kodak was so successful with their initial Kodak camera, which was called Kodak, or their later box cameras, was the t- a, technolo- a technological shift. 
because you shoot 120 film, you shoot roll film, and you mm -hmm. know roll film has backing paper, yes, and that indeed. backing paper has numbers on it, and those numbers uh, pretty easily tell you where you are at on that film, which how many shots you've already taken, because that backing paper, those numbers will look through a little window in the back of your camera. And uh, that was one of the big revolutions, believe me or not, because um, George Eastman realized, I think I think it was him or someone close to him, uh, realized that, um, well, you wouldn't need any expensive counting mechanics in the camera, like picture counting. The original Kodak had a counter, and that was making the camera expensive. So by by switching to a film with a backing paper on it, you could make cameras so much cheaper because all they had to be was a box with a little glass window on the back. And that changed the whole dynamics. And then fast forward to to Leica and, uh, and them pretty much uh, establishing 35mm film, which we still use today. And uh, the German camera manufacturers, the cameras were pretty much German. That was... Uh, the case for a long time and then after a while the Japanese again innovated on on the technology side and what they did and that's one of the reasons Japan took over the camera market was they introduced the focal plane shutter so mm, you yes. used to have leaf shutters in the cameras uh, in the in the lenses which means every lens used to have its own shutter. And if you shoot some of the medium format cameras, you still have that. If you shoot some of the, well, especially large format, you always have that. The shutter is part of the lens. So you'll have to, have, if you have five lenses, there are five shutters. And the innovation here was that the focal plane shutter is now in the camera. So the lens does not need to have a shutter anymore. And that makes the lenses cheaper. And that's one of the reasons that the Japanese took over the world photography market pretty much so here's my little history lesson so what's next <laughs> well this is sadly not a show called the history of photography <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so uh, no sorry i should I, that is it is good context and 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 clearly it demonstrates that actually the the center of innovation for photography has has shifted um uh be, be, being british as i am i feel at some point i should make a, a case for fox toll but but there we go we'll leave well let, well, that, let okay, that one okay okay now. fair enough fair enough <laughs> We'll let that one lie for now. Um, the then so so one of the things that uh, of course has happened uh, with regard to all of the manufacturing of equipment, um, and this is not a new phenomenon, but it of course a lot of it now is dealt with in China. And that started, I think, with some of the uh, established brands outsourcing some of their consumer level manufacturing so you can buy nikon stuff that is made in china for example or, oh, okay and, uh, i didn't know that i didn't know that oh i think so some of it is it's certainly not all made in japan anymore uh -huh. um and uh I, i'm I, if i try and specify stuff i will no doubt get it wrong so i'll stop there um, because I haven't actually done the the background research on specific product sets that are made in specific factories, but I know that the, the that not all of these things are made in Japan anymore. Um, and so, 
but also then um, uh, we've seen more recently, let's say in the last 20 years or so, the rise in uh, of Chinese brands as well as just simply background manufacturing. So if I'm looking at this now, one of the things that caught my eye recently was a little thing called the DJI Osmo Pocket. Did you mm-hmm. see that one? Oh, I, I saw a little gimbal camera pocket-sized made by DJI. Yeah, a tiny little thing. Um, looks like fun. I haven't had a chance to play with one yet, but um, I, I, it's, it's almost the sort of thing I think I might just buy it. <laughs> And then if I don't like it, sell it. You know, it's a small thing. So it's it's not something that would be a, a huge investment to get hold of. Um, and then, of course, there's been successive generations of a camera called the Insta360, um, which is actually a 360-degree spherical camera, but is now actually um, increasing the quality of its still photography and its video. We've talked previously about the, the Ricoh Theta line, um, uh, on this show, uh, which is something I have had a play with. And I think you actually own one, don't you? I do. Um, an old one, the 2K model. Uh, right. And uh, so the, the, the Insta360 is a similar class of product, um, but seems to be becoming perhaps the, the go-to uh, manufacturer in its class, if that makes any sense. So um, it's... so. Both of which, by the way, um, DJI and Insta360, um, are Chinese companies mm-hmm. um, founded in China. They're not just outsourcing; they're founded in China. They're they're you know they are in some way certainly DJI um, world leading uh, manufacturers in their own right. And the DJI, of course, um, uh, a little while ago, even bought Hasselblad, didn't they? The traditional uh, Swedish photography company. Yep. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, we should probably give it a nod to the, the history of the Swedish input to photography as well. Well, we? the, the moon, the moon photography was done on Hasselblad camera, so uh, they've that going for them. Yep, uh, they they have indeed. Yes. Um, so uh, it's so so I, I just wanted to have a, a think about well, what does this mean? Am I going? Is my next cha- camera going to be a Chinese camera? Um, it, does does that matter? Does it does it make any difference to the future of photography? Um, does it mean that uh, we're going to have the traditional, more established companies working even harder um, to to earn the right to to sell us stuff? Uh, does it mean that they're going to fade away? Um, if we had a look, sort of five, ten years from now, who would be the world leading camera brand? Does that company even exist today? Well, maybe we're not recognizing it for being a camera manufacturer like DJI. DJI, in fact, now is a camera manufacturer. They just have a very interesting way to hold their cameras somewhere in the air. But um, the killer application for drones is photography and videography. So. It was only logical for them to, well, they started with GoPro um, and they shipped GoPro cameras with their drones. And now they, for a long time, they have made all their own cameras and they are, the Osmo Pocket is a good example of some innovation coming in just, yeah, through a side door somehow. It wasn't, I, I didn't foresee that to come. So um, maybe they are, some of them are still in disguise and they're not even visible as being camera manufacturers at this point and and this is for me is is a really really i don't know that it's an important question but it's a really interesting question for me because you know, oh i i get that canon and nikon and fuji and others are all doing really good stuff and working really really hard and and for people that want 
to buy those types of cameras they they are absolutely still the, the place to go to to all of those well established you know uh, market leading brands so i should probably mention sony at this point i think they might make some cameras as well but uh, but the the point is not to make a, a a complete list of people who make cameras today the point is to think about who is it that's going to make cameras tomorrow and what do they look like why is it right that camcorders have died almost why is it but it was such a better form factor for making movies and yet now um the the chosen form factor for making video seems to be uh the form factor that was developed in the 1950s or maybe even the 40s for film still photography <laughs> why is that the right form factor still i think well it is not the right form factor because that that kind of a of the, the DSLRs style cameras aren't aren't the right form factor for videography, but they offer one thing technologically offer one thing that the smaller handheld camcorder kind of cameras don't offer, and that is a bigger sensor, different depth of field, more cinematic look. So um, that definitely was a was pretty much an override to uh the the picture quality you could you could get from those smaller cameras mm. yeah no fair fair enough even the even the uh, uh even the most professional of camcorder type things uh, uh still only have 1 inch sensors in them don't they so uh, there are a few exceptions but in general yeah you get you get uh, even better low light quality from those bigger sensors of course so they had enough advantages over the other ones so that a lot of filmmakers uh did the switch Mm, yeah, which is, which is interesting because there are also people who now make movies on phones, which have even tinier sensors. In them, so. Tiny <laughs> Although, sensors are more computation right. built in them. Yeah, and this is the th this is the kind of conversation. You know, what what does all this mean for the future of photography? I, like the DJI Osmo Pocket I picked out, right, particularly because it has a very different form factor. Right, it has um, it, it's got a built-in gimbal. Right. And so for all of those people that like to walk around shooting videos, e either on their phone or with other, other kinds of cameras, um, this one actually is a tiny thing. You can genuinely fit in a coat pocket and it has a gimbal and it, you know, it's all built in together. Um, it has microphones in it as well, so it can record sound too. Um, and uh, it, it does all of that at uh, without being a dizzyingly wide-angle lens like you get in something like a <laughs> GoPro. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, the GoPros now, the latest GoPros, um, they build themselves as the gimbal killers because they are really good at stabilizing their footage as well and without any mechanical means. So That's true. There's, and, and there's the gimbal wars coming up or the, the stabilization <laughs> wars on the horizon here. And I think that's going to be interesting to track as well. That's a really good point because at the moment, I think, roughly speaking, the accepted wisdom is that optical stabilization is still beating digital stabilization. Um, but that's how long would that last? Traditional wisdom, and we have seen a lot of bastions fall. So maybe that will be one of the next ones. We have, and and uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, would I would I want a a camera that small, yeah, that's the size of a GoPro, to be my main camera for for things? Um, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I, I think the closest I have to that actually is a, is a tiny little Pentax Auto One Ten film SLR. Oh, I have one of those too. <laughs> which is which is an awesome camera. Um, sh that that shoots uh One Ten film, uh, and really is a uh, 
you know, it is really an SLR that the smallest will fit in SLR your jeans pocket. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now it's 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 not exactly the most sophisticated camera in the world, um, uh, but it, would I want a form factor that small? Um, I mean, I love that it fits in my pocket, um, but I, you know, it, it is slightly tricky to use. It's a bit small and fiddly, to be honest. Um, and uh, and and so, no, I think possibly something slightly bigger would be, yeah, you know, would would be acceptable. Um, but with the uh with with the osmo pocket uh, the majority of the device seems to be the handle <laughs> rather than yeah. the camera itself well the, the handle so with uh, some one. some buttons on it and a little screen on it um so yeah there's a, there's a shift towards china at this point i can feel that yes uh yeah and and uh, and, and I, I i don't know maybe it's just me i mean when i pick up my cameras they feel good in my hand right um and that's that's a good thing um do they do they get out of the way and support me making images uh yeah i think mostly because for, actually for me i i i gravitate towards cameras that do that so i wouldn't have a camera that didn't if you see what i mean um or at least, at least not unless it had a you know a superpower uh like my little olympus tough camera is a bit fiddly to use to be honest um but i don't have any other cameras that can shoot underwater so <laughs> so so that's a compromise i'm prepared to make and and when you get sold a camera where the wrist strap for the camera is also an inflatable thing that stops it sinking into the bottom of the sea that's pretty awesome right that is helpful <laughs> so, well it depends on how how well you handle your gear but <laughs> uh, do you know what if for nothing else it's worth it for the look of it on people's faces you, know, you could you could be it, it, you know at the beach or in, in the sea or you could be uh, uh, you know at a uh, equally on holiday but around a swimming pool or something <laughs> like that and when yeah where you when your kid yells to you dad can i have the camera and you pick it up off the sun lounger and just throw it into the pool and watch the look on everybody's faces <laughs> oh by the way german germany is coming is making a comeback uh we talked about the zeiss zx1 mm, oh yeah yes we did is and zeiss is german and it's still entirely German owned. So, um, but not sure how this is going to turn into like a big camera manufacturer or not, because Zeiss is no more for their lenses. But uh, they're making they're making a big step into full frame mirrorless photography. So they but, are, but the and majority, in an innovative way as well. In an innovative way, yes. You know, with the, with the built in Lightroom capabilities and things like yeah. that. That's you know well, that that's a pretty big step. Let's watch the space. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that I think that's, you know, um, I don't know what the answer is that I would love to find, I'd love for somebody to, 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 to develop a better form, a better f form industrial design. Let's say that a better industrial design for the kind of images that we like to take today. I still feel that that's lacking. I don't know that I have the answer myself. So at this point, I'm, I guess I'm the armchair quarterback, aren't I? Yeah. You wouldn't do it like that. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I'm, I'm just speculating from behind a microphone here. You know, I'm not actually out there in the real world trying to design these things. So, so I have to be a little bit mindful of, of not overstepping my remit, but uh, <laughs> I look forward to buying uh new cameras with with new physical formats that can do even newer more exciting things and who knows where they'll be made that's a great note 
to end the show on. Um, of course, as always, be um, yeah, be part of the celebration of computational photography. Our hashtag TFOP now is still out there. And uh, we want to see your photos on Twitter, on Instagram, stuff that you've done with your smartphones and used whatever form of computation that uh, you might or not might might have put in there or not put in there. Let your camera put it in there. Um, TFOP now is the hashtag. Yes, looking forward to seeing more of those. Absolutely. Yes, more and more. And that's it for now. Until next week. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.